All right, hey everybody, this is Chad Jordan from Sport Clips. This is another edition of our Hall of Fame podcast. I got a couple Hall of Famers with me today. Uh, this, this episode is part of our Haircuts with Heart series in which we look at a couple of the causes that Sport Clips supports around the country. Uh, and this one is, will be uh, featured. Those of you watching on, on uh, uh, YouTube, you can already see this one's probably going to be uh, what this one's going to be about. It's St. Baldrick's Foundation, uh, which is uh, about childhood cancer research and funding that and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to get into a lot of that stuff today. I got two very special guests with me. I am going to have the very uh, youngest of the two special guests go ahead and introduce. Okay, I want your name. Uh, remember your age, what grade you're going into. I'm going to add that and your favorite college basketball team. All right, let's hear it from you. Who are you? My name is Scott. I'm 10 years old, and uh, I'm going into fifth grade. Good. And my favorite college basketball team is the Tar Heels. Yes, go Heels, okay. Uh, we're, we're in Raleigh, by the way, uh, area. Chapel Hill is very nearby. Um, so, and, and you'll find out uh, in a minute why he's uh, especially fond of the Tar Heels. Um, but alongside him is special guest number two. I'm going to go ahead and have her introduce herself for us and tell us uh, a little bit about herself. Hi, my name is Nancy Lenfesti, and I'm an advocacy and family relations specialist with the St. Baldrick's Foundation. And your favorite college, just college, period. UNC? Yes, UNC. Uh, you're, so you're an alum? I am. Okay. My husband and I are okay. both, and that's where he got his treatment. So, awesome. forever indebted. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, we're we're excited uh, today, uh, not just because we're in one of my favorite states in all the uh, the world, the country in the world, uh, but we have uh, Scott and Nancy, and they're going to walk us through a little bit of their journey with childhood cancer. Uh, Nancy, as she mentioned, uh, now works with St. Baldrick's. Uh, and we want to kind of loop all that in together, and I, we really want to drive home uh, the importance of childhood cancer research, uh, and uh, Scott is l uh, literally a living and walking and good-looking testimony <laughs> to, to the, uh, the power of, of great treatment and good research. So, uh, all right, so you, let's start with you, Scott. You, uh, at, at three years of age, Right about uh, thereabout. I'm sure you remember it well. But you were you were diagnosed with what? I was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, or ALL, as it is more commonly known. Ooh, I think you still have part of that speech memorized, buddy. That sounded that sounded pretty professional. Um, do you remember anything about the early uh, diagnosis, treatment, going in and out of the hospital? You remember any of that stuff? Uh, I remember a little bit of it. What what parts? Uh, pantamidine. Okay. And I remember um, spinal taps. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Are those? Uh, do you remember them? Because you kind of have nightmares about them, or you, you no, dread I maybe ever. Like, I would go in, and my dad would like sit me on his lap, and then I would, and then they would give me the propofol, and then he would put me on the bed, mm -hmm. and then I was like asleep for the rest of that. Mm-hmm. So maybe, uh, mom, we'll have you step in. Um, He's three years old. Yeah. Uh, why don't you turn the mic to you for this portion, if you don't mind? Um, he's three years old. Living, you you had uh, was a, a five-year-old son. Yes, at the we time? had a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a four-month-old. Okay. And you had I, your hands full, in other words, so like so many families out there. 
And I remember we were going out of town one weekend. We were driving. I looked behind me, and I saw Scott, and he was extremely pale, like a sheet of paper. Mm -hmm. And I remarked to my husband, Rob, you know, Scott looks really pale today, and I don't know if it's a virus or – Had he had a fever or anything going into this trip or anything that – Nothing that stood out. Mm -hmm. So absent any symptoms, we just kind of like, oh, we'll just keep an eye on it. We get to the hotel, start checking in, and on the counter is a bowl of fake fruit. And Scott says, um, oh, that looks yummy. And then Nick, our five-year-old, said, Scott, you can't eat that. Mm -hmm. Not like the time you ate all those fake grapes in our playroom. And we're like, wait, what? What did you just say? And apparently, you know, we had been given some fake fruit as play food, Mm -hmm. but it was a bunch of grapes, and they were detachable, and Scott had eaten not just one, but several. Is this like days before this trip, and now it explains why he's turning pale or anything like that? Well, we tried to figure out by asking the five-year-old, when did this happen? How long ago? And Uh of course, he didn't have a really great concept of length of time, so Mm -hmm. we had no clue was this over the summer? Was it last week? Um, and prior to this, Scott was completely healthy, like good eater, good sleeper, never difficult, never had a sick visit to the doctor. Wow. Um, and so it just so happened that we had a well child check two days later. So we went ahead and emailed the pediatrician and said, you know, we just received some interesting information. <laughs> Would you mind? Kids being kids. Would you mind if we added a CBC to the well child check just mm. to rule out maybe lead poisoning because we were thinking maybe that's why, yeah. you know. Um, so that's great. The paranoid parent gene kicked in oh, that we yeah. all have. Yes. Uh, and, and that kind of prompted you guys to ask for something that you might not have requested on If we didn't a couple have days that later. Yeah. little bit of information. So went to the well child check. You know, vision check, fine. Everything looked good. And then at 9 o'clock that night, we get a call from the pediatrician. And he said, you know, I'm afraid I have some some concerning news. I just immediately thought, oh, lead poisoning. Huh? Right, right. And he said, I knew it. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's that lead poisoning. And no, it was leukemia, which came out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I did not even think that was a possibility. And at that time, Scott was running up and down the hall upstairs. I'm like, there's no way. There has yeah. to be a mistake because he seems right, okay for right. the most part. So ran up to my husband. You know, I said, oh, pediatrician's on the phone, and he's concerned that Scott has leukemia. And my husband's a physician, so he's like, wait, yeah. I, I, there must be some mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, but talked through it with the pediatrician who then said, I've made an appointment for you with the division chief of pediatric hematology oncology at UNC for the very next morning. So didn't sleep at all that night. I'm sure. I mean, the, the, the shock of it with you not, I mean, so many families that get the diagnosis, there's been something maybe leading up to it. Uh, they're bruising or yes. some sickness or something. And so that's a fear in the back of their head that yeah. maybe, um, what if it's cancer? you're literally thinking maybe he just ate something wonky yes um so the the shock of that night uh, not i'm sure you weren't able to sleep not not at all we went the next morning still in shock 
my husband, the oncologist actually offered for my husband to look at the slides under the microscope, mm-hmm. just because he still couldn't believe right, it. Right. Confirmed it, um, and then boom, boom, boom. Oh, we have a room for you upstairs. We've scheduled him for surgery for tomorrow to have a port placed. Yeah. I forgot to bring uh-huh. the port. Um, and it's been removed, I assume. Yeah, okay. but we mm-hmm. we kept it as okay. a souvenir. All right. Uh-huh. Um, you know, had surgery the next day, started chemo, and he just didn't have time to process everything. Mm-hmm. And so just thinking, here we are the week before Thanksgiving. Oh, I hadn't even figured that part out yet. Okay. Yeah, the week before Lord Thanksgiving. And not that there's ever a good time no. to be diagnosed, but that was certainly not yep. a good time. Hol- holidays rolling around. Yeah. And all these thoughts running through your head, like, how are we going to get through this? And I remember asking you know, how long is the treatment? I had no clue. Mm -hmm. They said, um, it's two years for girls and three years for boys because leukemia tends to like to hang out in the testes and Mm -hmm. in the brain. So they need an extra year of treatment. And I thought, you know, do kids even make it through three years of treatment? Mm -hmm. Because he's three now. By the time he's six, he will have been on chemo for half of his life. Yeah. Like how, how many people make it through? And then you start wondering, is this going to be our last Thanksgiving and Christmas together. I mean, you can't help but, yeah. but go through that thought process. But kind of let myself have a pity party for about a week and a half, two weeks, and then it's like, mm-mm. This, we can't continue on for three years with this mindset. Something's got to change. Yeah. So then our mentality kind of morphed into what's next on the list? What do we have to do next? But it was always contained to one day. Like we could only do one day at a time because mm-hmm. it was just too overwhelming. There were too many unknowns. But he transformed from this happy-go-lucky kid at the beginning of treatment to at the end of the first month, he had been on steroids for an entire month. And his stomach was distended. His legs got really scrawny and spindly because they yep. lost muscle tone. Yep. He couldn't walk. He was crawling or had to be carried, which at three, mm-hmm. you know, is not typical. And it was just like, wow, where did that child go in just a month? Mm -hmm. And his mood changed, and it it was a very difficult transition. Mm -hmm. But um, we knew we had to do what we had to do. So, At the time, do you guys have family nearby? What kind of support system did you have? We do have some family. My um, husband's family lives in Greensboro. Okay. And then I have a brother in Raleigh, and... Friends and neighbors, I mean, throughout this experience, I've realized that I've had renewed faith in humanity because we Mm. always hear about the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. But people were coming out of the woodwork, you know, strangers willing to help a child with cancer. I guess it really, you know, pulls at the heartstrings. And um, it, it was a difficult time, but there are definitely highlights. And I think we've managed to to pull together and, and learn things along the way, like enjoy the time you have together because mm-hmm. things change in an instant. Because before the day he was diagnosed, we were just thinking, hmm, you know, this week we've got a big dilemma. Do we go to martial arts or do we go to the PTA right, magic right, show? Right, right, right. The, the priorities <laughs> of life, you know. That was what we were facing. Mm-hmm. And then everything out the window, reprioritize. And it was cold and flu season. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, right. It's very susceptible to yes. catching something, and especially with two other kids, uh, five, was the five-year-old in kindergarten. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so we ended up having to homeschool him for a while just to get through cold and flu season. Mm-hmm. We had the baby. 
Um, and that's hard for families when you're separated because my husband was at the hospital with Scott, but the other two needed to have some normalcy too. Right. So we were split up. We had to use FaceTime and talk and watch movies together simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Them at the hospital, us at was, home. Was Christmas that year spent at the hospital or was he home? He was lucky to be home. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, were there touch and go moments? When, when was the first time where things, that was this, probably the scariest, getting diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Were there other times where it looked like uh, we're in trouble here? Yeah, I mean, he spent a week in the hospital after diagnosis, and we thought, you know, we're saying goodbye to the nurses and, you know, hope we don't have to see you right. again in a while. And two weeks we were back. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later we were back. Then you wonder, is this what it's going to be like? Like come back every two weeks for a week or more? Um but there was a period where he got a, he had a virus and it made his lab levels just plummet. Mm-hmm. And so when your lab levels plummet, they cut back on his medication and they said, okay, well, it's gonna do more harm than good to give him the medication when he's at this level. So let's wait a week or so and come back and recheck and then we can resume the medication. So we did, but his levels just continued to stay low for weeks turned into months and in that time period he wasn't getting the chemo Mm -hmm. and your brain starts to wonder because of this virus which is a very common virus parvovirus that kids get all the time is the cancer going to come back you know um so that was a very difficult period trying to keep calm and not freak out that he's not getting the chemo he needs to fight the cancer but we're gonna trust our oncologist on this and know that delays are normal in treatment mm-hmm. and hope that this works out. But that's actually why we ended up, he ended up doing three and a half years of treatment instead of three years to tack on the extra time that Because he, he missed, missed some, yeah. All right, let's give the microphone back to Scott over here. Um, so, okay, you're, you're three, you get diagnosed, uh, you go through these treatments, Start to, can you can you answer for me? Um, were you ever able to kind of do some of the normal childhood stuff? Could you go to preschool? Could you go to kindergarten? Were you able to do that that kind of stuff? Uh, no, I wasn't. And like, I wasn't allowed to play any sports because like I had a port, and right. um, they need that to get the medicine to my heart to pump it. Mm-hmm. So what, a needle goes in and, and puts in the, the medicine into that port, and then it, that's, it yeah, gets it into your into blood that way? it goes into my heart, and uh-huh. then it pumps through my uh, bloodstream. And so if that somehow got, like, damaged, or if I was, like, throwing a football and it hit my chest, then that would, like, it would um, delay my treatment. Mm-hmm. So... I wasn't allowed to do sports, and I wasn't allowed to, um, I I didn't really go outside the house because um, if I had gotten, like, the flu, then that would have been a big deal. Yep. Like, even, like, a small cold would have been, like, it would have hurt my labs a little bit, and so... I was kind of like living life in a bubble, but now I feel very lucky to still be here. Mm-hmm. No, you are you are a, a walking testimony 
of, uh, again, the, the importance of research and great treatment. Uh, you uh, went through, was it three and a half years? Mm -hmm. So you get all the way to six years old, six and a half. I mean, first of all, was every birthday party just uh, epic? I mean, was this your family just going crazy every time they threw your birthday party? Could could you have friends over for birthdays? What 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 no, were those like? I think I just spent it mostly at like home and stuff. Um, they would like come home with a cake and like we yeah. would eat it at home. But like, yeah, we were scared to go too far away. But we would go Great Wolf Lodge. Uh -huh. you know? places nearby so that if anything happened we could make it back to the hospital. How did how did your guys's lives change during his treatment in terms of you know now you're not worrying about martial arts <laughs> you're worrying about how to get him back and forth and, and stay tethered to a center where he can get treatment. Yeah. Um, Pretty much everything revolved on um, around making sure he got what he needed. And um, we used to be planners. You know, we planned out trips. We planned out things six to 12 months in advance. And with cancer, you just can't do that. Mm -hmm. um, because if he had a fever, even if it was related to a cold, we'd have to take him to the emergency room just to make sure it wasn't an infection. Yeah. So that became the way of life for us. And we learned to take spontaneous trips like, oh, well, it seems like he's doing okay. Maybe we can go to the beach today. And yeah. it was no longer planning ahead. It was learning to live in the moment. Right. Uh, was there ever a time where you guys kind of turned a corner in terms of your thinking and your mindset and, and, and not, I'm, I'm sure the early years, the early days and weeks, it's, it's fear all the time, 24 hours a day. Was there ever a clearing, even while he's still in the middle of treatment, where you're, there's some normalcy that returned? Yeah, um... It was actually a St. Baldrick's event. Okay. Because were you involved yet with them at all? Or? No. Okay. Wasn't involved. You but can I, take. Okay. But I knew that he was approaching three months into treatment. He was approaching the most difficult phase, and it was called delayed intensification. Okay. And that's when he would lose his hair. Uh -huh. And I was reading the newspaper and saw that St. Baldrick's was having their downtown Raleigh event coming up soon. And, and what year this is? Two 2012. Okay. And so um, I was talking with my husband and older son at the time, and they said, you know, maybe we can shave our heads so when Scott loses his hair, he won't be the only person wow. at home without hair. Uh -huh. Then we can raise awareness and research funding, and, yeah, that, that might be a good experience. Mm -hmm. I said, sure. Sign them up. All the men in your life are going to not have hair, so yeah. why not? Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then Scott chimed in. He said, well, I want to do it too. Uh -huh. And I said, I wasn't prepared for that yeah. because I didn't want him to have that stereotypical bald right. cancer kid look. Yep. And so I said, you know, Scott, you're going to lose your hair soon enough. You don't have to do it early. Mm -hmm. And he was very persistent. I said, well, let's just think about it. Give it some time. Well, he kept She's bugging trying to me talk you it. out of it, buddy. That's what was going on. She's m mother knows best. Yeah. No. But his stubbornness kicked in. Uh -huh. He's like, Mom, I really want to do it. He gets that from his it. dad, I bet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, I really want to do it. And I said, you know, I thought about it, and something clicked. I had an epiphany. And it's like, you know, you look back on your life the last few months, and you're thinking, cancer has robbed us of so much mm -hmm. in an instant. We didn't ask for it. We didn't want it, right. but it just came in like a hurricane. You won the bad lottery. Yeah. And... Um, why let cancer continue to dictate one more thing 
when he's going to lose his hair. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to um, moms of kids in clinic who said, yeah, Brian went to sleep last night with a hair, head full of hair, and when he woke up, it was like just laying on his pillow. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that's traumatic. Yeah, exactly. Scars him. Yeah. I don't know that we want to go through that. But, um, you know, changed my mind. I'm like, let's let Scott do it on his terms, lose his hair when he wants to, and say, take that cancer. Mm -hmm. And that day was a major turning point because... I didn't know how he would react when he saw himself without hair. And he yeah, did it go down to the skin, or was it still a little bit of fuzz? No fuzz. Oh wow! Okay, they <laughs> scalped you. All right. Um, and he had seen other kids in clinic that were bald, and mm -hmm. I'm sure he was wondering if that was going to happen and when. But when he saw himself, he was on stage. He was all smiles, yes, everybody's dimples. cheering. Yeah. Uh -huh. And we actually it shocked me that we were celebrating the loss of his hair not mourning it yeah. and so I we realized at that point we don't have to just be reactive to cancer anymore mm. we can be proactive we can do things along the way and we should do these things as a family we've got a platform now so that was a turning point for us we realized that's amazing we can we can change things up yeah. here yeah uh, let me let's uh, back to Scott if we can uh, give me, can you give me some of the, the good days of treatment when you were, when you were going through treatment, can you give me some good memories that you had, whether it was, uh, trips that you went on or family time? Um, wh what are, what are some of the good days that you remember? So after like the really long treatment days, yeah. um, my dad would take me to like, tons of restaurants nearby that uh -huh. I like really really liked and like what give them a give them a plug give them a shout out oh I like K&W K&W what yeah. is that uh it's like a cafeteria, cafeteria? that's what I thought okay yeah because you get to pick whatever you want mm -hmm. did you get head right right for the desserts or did you were you no. good boy okay I ate like the roast beef because like oh that's my favorite yes I okay like roast beef salt okay and gravy mm-hmm and I got that, and I got... Just you and him went? Uh, no, me and Dad, yeah. Yeah, just you and your dad. Okay. Good, and, good time together. Um, Then sometimes I would remember being in the hospital because I got, like, a cold. Yeah. And I would stay in there for two days, and um, I, me and my dad were, like, super close to each other. And we mm -hmm. were, like, um, uh, eating the fried chicken lunch mm -hmm. the next morning and for breakfast no no for uh, okay and yeah that was really good yeah uh boy you and food seem to be <laughs> and, and by the way i didn't mention this yet because if you're watching on youtube you can see uh, within arm's reach of scott is a whole bunch of root beer uh root beer flavored candy five bo bottled root beer that's the preference uh he's got is it do you have a sweet tooth or is it just root beer like what, what what's what's up with you and root beer i don't know i just really like yeah root beer. It, did you did you get hooked for, like when you were a little kid and no no okay this is a recent thing I mean, um, kinda, like yeah, well, we've year. we've told him he cannot leave this room until he finishes these one, two, these five bottles of root beer, all this candy. Uh, so he's gonna be on a he's gonna be on a sugar high uh, for the rest of the day. Uh, so you went through treatment for three and a half years, mm -hmm. yeah. 
Do you rem- uh, do you remember when the doctor said, "That's it. Yeah, this is your last treatment. Um, you're good to go." I don't remember that, but I remember um, after my treatment was over, they took out my port. Mm-hmm. I remember that, and that was after my treatment was done. Um, I was like so happy that did day. that did I mean you had had that the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. So did that now mean you could do sports? Your brother could beat you up like he'd been waiting for three years. Well, I had been beating him. Oh, yeah, it's unfair. He really could not mad. retaliate because you could hit him, but he couldn't. He'd yeah. probably get busted if he did something to you. Uh, yeah. And so it was just like this bump in my chest for mm-hmm. like three and a half years of my life. And I didn't even like think that much about it unless like my mom would ask you, what do you want to do when you're off treatment? And I was like, I want to get my board out. Yes. Yeah, and you probably used to have to always wear baggy clothes, right? Because you didn't want something snagging on it or whatever. Um, speaking of which, we got you one of these sport clip shirts that's baggy, but uh, you'll grow into it. The do it with passion or don't do it at all. Uh, hey, uh, you're you've done something with passion. Um, I saw a YouTube clip. In fact, we might cut to it uh, right here in a second. Um, but you went. Was that Washington D.C.? Is that where, where yeah. is that where that was? And you gave a speech in front of I, 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 I tell tell what was that thing that you did that was so I mean I blew me away. What was that? Uh, so that was at the caucus, and um, we and so I went to this humongous room. There's like yep. tons of people in these chairs. You're what seven years old at the time? Yeah, seven. Okay, so you're done and, with treatment. Uh, and you're there in front of this big room, and and I'm like just talking along. Um, about the need for um, an increase in NIH funding and to fund... In what kind of funding? Uh, National Institutes of Health. Okay. And um, uh, the STAR Act, um, we wanted to um, sign the STAR Act into law that year. And um, now the STAR Act has passed. And what we want this year is to actually fund the STAR Act because mm-hmm. it's signed into law and we want to fund it. Uh, STAR Act stands for Survivorship Treatment Access Research. Um, and so um, that year I was just talking. That was my first year I've been, and I've been almost every year since then. Have you have you spoken again? I've been into meetings. And okay. I've spoken. Okay. Because yeah. um, I they if they needed to get funded, they probably should have you come give another speech. Because the time you were there is when the law got passed, right? So obviously yeah, you're very convincing. Like, yeah. A year um, later. Uh, and how did you did you write that speech yourself, or how did that no, work? My no, mom your did. mom. Okay. And then she just told me to like memorize. It. You had it. You had it down. Like memorize. I even saw like. You would stop where you knew they were going to clap for you. You would stop and let them clap or if they were going to laugh in some of the parts of it. So Sometimes, like, when I give a speech, they um, clap because they think I'm like, I don't know, maybe they think I'm finished. Mm-hmm. But it's like... You're I like, said, hey, let me finish here. Come on. I said, like, five words, <laughs> and then they start clapping sometimes. Well, it's just, you'll, you'll get this, you'll understand this when you're an adult. When kids say something... Um, intelligently and it makes sense we're so shocked 
that we want to applaud for them, right? Uh, no, you you have you have a cause, you have a mission, uh, and everybody's passionate about it. So, which is why I'm giving you these these passion, uh, th- this passion T-shirt. Uh, um, really interesting because, you know. Congress is used to seeing adults every day, yeah. but it's not every day that kids are there. It's to tough to dismiss story. a kid, right? Oh, Especially yeah. one that survived cancer. So, so in our meetings, you know, I would prep them beforehand and say, "This is what we're here today for. Mm-hmm. This is what we're asking for." And I didn't know if he was soaking it in, but he was. Yeah. And so we went into our meeting with our representative, David Price. And I said, Scott, if there's anything you want to say before the meeting, I said, if there's anything you want to say, they want to hear from you. So feel free to chime in. So we start the meeting. I'm going into, you know, our requests. And then towards the end, Scott says, "Um, I'd like to say something if that's okay. And this is not a prepared speech, right? Okay. And I thought, what is he going (laughs) to say? And so we all kind of shift our attention to turn to Scott, and he said, um, you know, childhood cancer is the number one disease killer of kids in the U.S., and we need help to change that. And I think co-sponsoring the STAR Act is a step in the right direction. So can I count on you oh, to sign Oh, my goodness, on to this? man. You laid it to them, dude. And Congressman Price He's paused and he sighed. He said, well, I would do my very best. Mm -hmm. And within a week, we got an email from his staffer saying that he had signed on. I said, Scott, this is the power of advocacy. And at a young age, you're already doing this. So every year since then, he has been our closer Uh where he rounds it out and puts the applies the pressure on the request. But, you know, I think part of this is the reason why he's still here, Mm -hmm. because it wasn't that long ago, as you know, yep. um, that kids, with even with his le- type of leukemia, didn't have mm-hmm. many options. And so they were told, just take them home, keep them comfortable. Yeah. And now um, kids with his type of leukemia have a greater than 90% cure rate. Wow. And they've Amazing. come up- yeah, with new discoveries that even kids with, with recalcitrant leukemia or hard to treat recurrent mm-hmm. leukemia they are starting to have treatment options as mm-hmm. well. And that's the power of research. Yeah. But what we want is for this to happen for all kids with cancer, not just a select few. Yeah. And that's why we're passionate. That's why we're t- we return year after year. Well, uh, you just referenced it, Nancy. I do know about it. That the Scott is, uh, this is like a before and after story because uh, in uh, 1982, my brother was diagnosed with at three years of age with the same exact type of cancer uh, that Scott had. Uh, I, um, I was the older brother. What's your older brother's name? Nick. Nick, all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the Nick in the situation, and I remember going back and forth to the hospital. We were at Walter Reed Hospital uh, in Maryland, and uh, three years in at six, whereas you're finishing your treatment, my brother uh, passed away at six. Uh, because there wasn't that much advancement at the time. So now here we are 30-some years later, and I'm sitting down with a grown-up version of my brother, right? He didn't make it to 10, 11 years old. You're getting ready to turn 11. Uh, So I'm thrilled by your story, your advocacy. It's working. Uh, You're a hero. 
whether you know it or not. So um, I want you to keep doing some great work. I got a couple uh, a couple questions, and then we're, we're going to finish this thing, okay? okay. I, first, uh, in the 80s, it's a long time. You see Stranger Things? You allowed to watch yeah. Stranger Things? Did you watch Stranger Things 3? Yeah, yeah, the third season. And one okay. and two. Okay. Okay. Well, the third season when they're at the mall, the Starcourt yeah. Mall, and all that stuff, like that's the '80s, right? Yeah. So back in the '80s, that's when my brother was sick, and we got to go on a Make-A-Wish trip to Disneyland. So I hear rumor that you have been on, not just to Disneyland at one time, but a couple times, and was one of them with Make-A-Wish. I've been to Disney World once. Disney World. That's right. Disneyland's California. Disney World in Florida. Um, so I went once with Make-A-Wish, and yeah. then I've been, like, And now you're tons. hooked. Yes. Um, one year we went, like, three times. Uh-huh. Do, do you guys have an uh, annual pass yet, or? Oh, we, okay, we, all right. we had the annual pass Okay, year. all right. That was smart. And then we went, uh, like, very recently, we went on a nine-day trip. To Disney World? Mm-hmm. The Epcot Center, yeah, Animal came Kingdom? Back, like, a week ago, and... Like, maybe a little more than a week ago, but we went there for nine days. That's one. Did, didn't you get sick of it after nine days? No. No? You could live there, huh? Disney World. What, so, wh- how old were you when you did the Make-A-Wish one? Six. Were you still undergoing treatment? Oh, okay. So, um, when you went, did they pick you up in a limousine and all that kind of stuff, or do you remember? No, I don't think so, but... We didn't just go to Disney World. We went to uh, Legoland and oh, okay. Universal too. Okay, you tore up Orlando. Yeah, yeah, you went all over, and you're getting ready tomorrow. You're yeah. going on a cruise. Yeah, Disney cruise. Uh, wait, it's a Disney cruise. Oh, you left that part out when we were talking earlier. You are hooked on Disney. Yeah. Um, all right, so Disney cruise. What 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 are you looking forward to about the Disney cruise? What what have you seen that you're like? I got to do that while I'm there. Mickey bars. The Mickey bars? Yeah, it's so like what is chocolate that? covered ice cream on a stick. Okay, and you're gonna just that's gonna be breakfast, lunch, dinner, you're gonna wake up in the middle of the night well, and go get, have like, some. Infinite Mickey bars. Right, yeah, of course. I mean you're gonna get spoiled. And your brother and sister get to go on this? Mm-hmm. Everybody's going? Yeah, everyone's going. Um Wow. Okay. Well hey, you deserve it. You you deserve it. It's so your parents deserve it. Uh so when when did we find out maybe this is a mom question? that uh, actually let's let's have mom answer this one first okay uh the three and a half years are up you guys have survived the the treatments the uh the, the touch and go moments all that kind of stuff what is how, how does this get finished what do they tell you what is what do they say like once the treatment's done clean bill of health we got to check them every week like what walk me through that for those that aren't familiar um you know it, what's interesting is when you're first diagnosed, you're really scared of chemo and what that's going to do because you know all the side effects are going to accompany yeah. that. And then towards the end of treatment, you change and you're like, oh, you know, the chemo has kept the cancer away for three years now. Right. And now we're not going to have our security blanket. Right. Yeah, what does that true. mean? And you start to get a little worried, you know, with worries that you didn't think you'd have before, before mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I can't wait till we're done with treatment. Um so those were concerns that we had, but it didn't take long to just soak up the mm-hmm. life of normalcy again. And he still had to go back every month for the first year okay. for, um, I think it was every two weeks in the beginning, and then in, 
they just kind of lengthen it. So then every yeah. month for the first year to check labs just to make sure lab levels look good, nothing funky happening. And then year two, he would go every two months, year three, every three months. So he's at every four months now, and he's going later this month. And nothing but, you know, great news every time you've gone? There have been some blips with uh-huh. his labs. Like, okay. that's why he's going back this month. Okay. Just, you know, in the back of your mind, you just... Yes, yeah. of course. I mean, once you've gotten the very first phone call ever, you you, you think there it could happen. Yeah. So um, there have been concerns, and the other thing is, even if kids like him are lucky enough to make it through treatment, mm-hmm. two-thirds of childhood cancer survivors go on to have long-term right. chronic, often serious side effects. Mm-hmm. So that can be um, hearing loss, heart defects, infertility, graft-versus-host disease, second cancers. Mm-hmm. You know, the list goes on and yeah. on. So we'll always be on the lookout for those things. But um, for now, he's just embracing life. He started doing triathlons. and. Oh, wait, what? You did not mention that. You, you had told me that you're playing basketball. I mean, yeah. Um, I've so, played basketball. Okay. I've done triathlon this year. How? How? And I've done four before this year. How are you? How can you possibly be that athletic when you got such a late start? Um, are you trying to make up for lost time? Is that what's going on? Yeah. 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 Um, what is it about triathlons that you love? Uh, so I've done some just trying at triathlons. Uh huh. Um, oh, yeah, just trying it. That's the place they help ease the financial burden of childhood cancer families that struggle to make ends meet. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the link to them at the end of this podcast, just trying it, and it's trying with the word Ryan in it, just trying it.com. Okay. Um, and you can choose, like, th- three different courses. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's pretty fun. Have you ever done? Are you an American Ninja Warrior fan or anything like that? I don't watch it a lot, but I know I watched. Uh, I could just see. Things. I could see you crushing the course, is what I'm saying. So oh. uh, I've done the Tar Heel Youth Triathlons too, because we live like super close to the UNC Wellness Center. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And yeah, uh, I've done a triathlon with them too. Have you ever been to a basketball game? Tar Heel yeah. basketball game? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Oh, you look at me like I'm crazy for even asking that. You're like, yeah, I sit in the front row. I'm their biggest fan. Uh, shoot, okay, well, maybe you can invite me sometime. I was going to invite you if you hadn't been. But um, here's uh, here's what I want to do. Do you have anything else you want to add that's, that's just on the top of your head that you want to mention about uh, surviving cancer, being an advocate, a hero, an athlete? Uh, is there anything that you want to mention before I get to kind of the fun questions at the end? Well, there's always room for more funding, more support. And so there's a ton of things that you can do to just raise a little bit more research. And so even if that's just like shaving your head, mm-hmm. buying a shirt, doing something like that, th- you can still help no matter like what. And so every little bit helps with cancer research. And so, you don't know, maybe you could save some kid's life by doing that, by shaving your head and raising $3. Like, you don't know. So every single thing helps. I love it. You're exactly right. Uh, this is what we at – so we at Sport Clips, we, we um, 
sponsor. Uh, uh, we did a million dollars in 2016 through 2019. We've re-upped for that. We do uh, Brave the Shave events where our stylists go out and actually shave uh, the people's uh, heads. Um, we host, in fact, I know yeah. there's some we, that we host uh, the, the Brave the Shave events. So what Scott just said, for those of you that are uh, Sport Clips folks uh, that are listening, that everybody can do a little bit more can, and you never know the difference that you're going to make, I encourage y'all, whether it's participating in a Brave the Shave, uh, donating, doing something in your store, raffles, all of that kind of stuff to raise uh, awareness and funding. Uh, do whatever it takes because Scott, Nancy, they are uh, living proof that research works and funding works. So you ready for these questions? You do not have any idea what these are going to be, just so you know. All right? Yeah. Okay. Um, if you could have one superpower, all right? So think about all the Marvel heroes, superheroes, and Batman, super, it, it, the, the DC comic ones. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Teleportation. Why you you let me stall? I was trying to give you time to think about an answer. Teleportation. Why would it be teleportation? What's so? You can get anywhere in like two seconds. Uh huh. It's not because you want to like scare people and just show up and like freak them out. Okay, it's for your own convenience that you just want to. I bet I know where you would teleport. Disney Disney World. (laughs) Yes. Uh huh. Um, shoot, well, my next question, you're going to answer this. I, 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 yeah, I was going to say, uh, the next question was, if you could visit anywhere in the world, it doesn't have to be Orlando, okay. anywhere in the world, how about this, that you've never been to, okay. where would it be? Rome, Italy. Rome. What, yeah. what, do, you, what, what do you think, you, is it pizza? Like, what, what do you think you would like in Rome? just seems like majestic. Yeah, the architecture and the history. Man, you are deep. Um, okay. What noise or sound do you love? Like hearing it makes you go, yes. I don't know. That's a weird one. Yeah, I told you these are going to be, you weren't going to be able to expect these, buddy. If, I don't know. I like zipping up a zipper. You like that sound. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now you know how to make them happy for Christmas, Mom. Um, here we go. What noise or sound do you hate? When someone scrapes, like, a fork on a plate. Oh, okay, yeah. Or, like, if a fork and a knife, like, scrape, mm-hmm. that bothers so me. So next time uh, you're misbehaving at home, that's what mom's going to do, just to, just to get at you, make you stop. All right, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I want to be a video game developer. Oh, so you're a gamer. Yeah. Okay, uh, Fortnite or what? what, what, what yeah, what is your Fortnite. game of choice right now? Uh, so I was playing Fortnite earlier, uh-huh. and I've been grinding on Minecraft like okay. so much. Uh-huh. Did you develop a love for video games while you're going through treatment? Is that where you were because you were home? And I mean, kind of. Yeah, and it's just because you're a ten or eleven year old boy. Of course, you're gonna you're gonna like video games. Um, okay, I got two more questions. Uh, question number one: What is your fa- of all the memories with your family? What is your favorite memory? Probably. So we went on a skiing trip. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really fun. What was it? Asheville? Where'd you guys go? Asheville. Asheville yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, we were, like, sitting every night. We would, like, sit in front of the fire and just, like, watch Netflix after, like, tons of snowboarding and skiing. Mm-hmm. Was fun. Yeah, I like that. Okay. All right, Mom, you know what I to... I like Disney World, too. Okay. <laughs> we, we are, we, I'm going to edit that part out. We, we knew Disney World. We wanted something. So, okay, now we know that you like the snow. Um, all right, here's... This one's going to be a toughie. I'm, I'm going to see if I can stump you with the last question before I let you go back, drink all this root beer, and play video games for the rest oh, of the yeah. day. Um, what have you learned from your mom or dad that you want to be able to, to be like when you're out dad one day? Like what thing? Like you said, that's important. What, how, what they've done for me in this area, that's how I want to be as a dad. Hmm. Like knowing everything. Oh, okay. Is that both of them? That know Mom everything? Knows a lot Mom, of okay. But All right. Dad yeah. knows, I think okay. Oh, no, 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 no. You should have just stopped while you're ahead. <laughs> okay. Ma, it's Mom. Mom knows a lot of stuff. She's the one driving you home, buddy. I and, know. And, and, with all these root beers. Um, so, okay. So, just knowing everything, knowing what's best, all that kind of stuff. I love that. Uh, so, you're amazing. You guys, thank you so much. You guys are amazing. Uh, I love, man, this getting to sit down with you. And here you are. You got a head full of hair. Which, by the way, sport clips in Raleigh. Watch out! This guy's coming for a haircut soon. Uh, and um, and you're playing sports. Uh, you're 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 getting these uh, these amazing trips, uh, living and getting to spend time with your family. Uh, we didn't really even get to talk much about what your mom does at St. Baldrick's, but obviously you guys are still involved. Uh, that was a turning point in your lives, uh, obviously. So want to thank y'all for joining us and thank everybody out there for supporting St. Baldrick's Foundation. Keep it up. Uh, It matters and it works as these guys are uh, able to attest. So thanks so much, guys. Thank you. All right. Uh, Thanks, everybody. And we'll have another episode next week. Tune in then. Thank you.